Hi, viewers and listeners. Welcome back to 1178. Tonight, we'll be talking about another Bond movie. We're doing For Your Eyes Only, 1981. Um, the crew are here, and you probably noticed if you're watching this, we've actually got a guest with us tonight, and that's Henry from uh, The Bond Geek. He has his own YouTube channel, and he uh, decided to join us tonight to his detriment. Well, I, always <laughs> to I always wanted to do a video of you guys. We're chatting about it for ages, finally, finally getting on. Yeah, yeah, we finally connected, which was good. So this could be an interesting one, this one. Um, we'll stick to the regular format and uh, see how it goes. Ship goes down in the ocean. I can't remember exactly where, um, but there's an encrypted, encrypted weapons device on it. Um, and everyone, it just becomes like a massive arms race. Uh, you've got the Russians, you've got the English, all trying to race to get to this encrypted weapons thing. So Bond is obviously sent on the case to get there first. And... Uh, that's where the film takes off. So let's go with the cast. Roger Moore, obviously, is Bond. Another one. Carol Bouquet, who plays Melina. And they've got Topol. That's a bizarre name, that. Topol, who plays Columbo. Lynn Holly Johnson, who plays Bibby. Julian Glover, who plays Christos. And Cassandra Harris, who plays um, a countess in this. Or a fake countess, I think it is. I think she's an imposter. So... That's the synopsis in the cast. Let's get into it. Um, Samir, I usually hand over to you at this point. Have you got some facts for us? Yeah, I do. Uh, and there's another fact about Topol, because you mentioned the name. Uh, yeah. He is an Israeli actor, and he's famous for being the main actor in Fiddler on the Roof. So that's the fact about Topol. And at the time, he was really big, because for the previous 10 years... <clears throat> He was on the stage as a Fiddler on the Roof guy, and basically that was a really big issue. And they also had made a movie in the um, early, early to mid-70s, which was a big hit. So, yeah, he was one of the top stars at the time in Hollywood. So that's Topol. <clears throat> and you say he was Israeli? Israeli, yeah. But anyway, coming back to Bond, <clears throat> this movie was based on two short Ian Fleming stories. Oh, yeah, Tim Fleming. Yeah. Chinese fella, Tim Fleming. <laughs> Chinese <fella. laughs> So, yeah, Ian Fleming's uh, stories. Uh, but the, the, the sad thing was, I just found out um, recently, actually, this is one fact I didn't know, I knew that Tim Dalton actually had actually um, done a um, practice run for Bond for on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but I didn't realise he actually done a uh, test for uh, for eyes only as well. And he actually mm. passed it, but the problem was it was like Roger Moore's sort of negotiation sort of uh, tricks with uh, Albert Broccoli. So he would say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. But I think at Moonraker he did say, I'm not going to do it, that's it. And he ended up paying him whatever, I think $4 million or something, and uh, he decided to come back, which in a way I feel is a shame because I would have loved to see another Bond in this movie due to the fact no no offense with Roger Moore or Sir Roger. Um he was starting to look old here. Another fact is uh Piers Bosnan's wife played the fake countess. Um and unfortunately they used to sing the Bond theme because um Albert Broccoli had said to Piers Brosnan that I like uh, Remington Steel at the time and that was on uh, American TV and it, it came on the year after that, I think, in the UK. 
And he goes, I want you as the next Bond. Uh, in whenever it was 86. And he was upset that Cassandra couldn't see that because she passed away of uh, cancer a few years after the, the movie as well. So that was one thing he always regretted when he did get GoldenEye, um, that he didn't sort of get the part when she was around because that was their big plan as husband and wife to get him that part. Um, another one is uh, Blondie, uh, on my sang the title song, they had a upbeat version of the song and Conti wrote this soft version and Blondie goes, no, it's not for me. So Sheila Easton basically got the uh, uh, song and sang it. And the big mistake she did, she went around promoting the uh, song as well and forgot to promote the film. And Albert Broccoli was really pissed off with her going, hold on, what are you doing? Um, and that, that song and, fucking sucked, man. I'm just going to say affected, it now. Oh, just, Jesus. Yeah, it affected Awful. the song, actually. It affected the song as well because of that, because she didn't promote it with the movie, because obviously if she had Bond movie behind it, it would have done quite, slightly better than it did. But the, um, the, the the music video was exactly the same as the opening title track. The movie also saved the United Artists Studios because it grossed 195 million pounds. They had made a movie, or released a movie just about six months before, which had such a heavy loss that um, they were on the verge of bankruptcy. And by Bond making 195 million at a, a box office dollars, it saved them. Although they're good got taken over within six months of that. So it made them survive in a sense so someone could take them over. Another fact is about uh, the grave, as you say, Justin, the connection between revenge uh, that he wanted of Blofeld, but they couldn't use the name. They could only give a hint that it's him due to the fact... Um, but we all, we all knew it was him because he struck the yes. cat on the head, so it's not difficult Exa for Bond fans to think, oh, no. Look who's back. Yeah. So basically, yeah, it, it was him, but it was in a way they couldn't use... Uh, I'm going to go into why they couldn't use a uh, name because Kevin McRae uh, had the licence or the rights to Spectre and the name. So it was a finger, middle finger to him and also um, Connery at the time because uh, what was going to happen, they knew that there were negotiations only happening at the time. So they weren't really sure if Conry was going to pay Bond or not, but it was announced within a few months of that movie being released. And no more than that, really. Um, there is history after that, but I think we'll leave that till the next movie. And that's sort of the facts and figures I have. I, we uh, know this, who it was anyway. We know who it was, really. Yeah. It was Michael it was Myers, me wasn't it? Yep. No, it was Michael Keaton <laughs> in a wig, actually. Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Evil... <laughs> yeah. Right, that so, scene that seems so out of context that Blofeld opening scene because it, it was just it was a middle finger that's, that's mm. all it, that's all essentially it was I, I think what but, it, but was it was because it was it was supposed to it was supposed to be theoretically a straight uh, mm. the next one to on a Majesty's Secret Service I think another reason why it was uh, out of place because if you think about it he was a character from the sort of evil characters you had in the 60s and then appearing in the 80s where audience had changed uh, I think they were more with I can't say with it because they were with it in, in the 60s but it was a different sort of uh, uh, audience it was uh, the maturity had changed obviously people knew that people like that didn't a bold guy didn't live in a cave and uh, try to rule the world there was some sort of evil person but not with a white pussy cat 
Because in the sixties they did believe that. Yeah, yeah they did believe this. Yeah. There wasn't at the end of the question, you know, that a white cat was harmed in the making this. Because oh, surely the cat would have still been in his lap. Where did the cat go? He obviously went down the chimney as well, didn't he? No, he, no, he didn't. He ran off. Did he? Did he run off? Did he? Yeah. No, he went down the chimney. Yeah, I must have gone down the chimney. I didn't it's see. Blowfelt Santa, Santa Claus. It's Blowfelt Santa Claus. That whole pre-title sequence, it is such a glorious mixed bag of emotions, really, because, you know, you got like, you got Bond visiting Tracy's grave, which I think is so poignant and powerful. I really yes. like that. And I know that was included because originally, as you say, they were going to have another actor. So it would have yes. been a nice sort of continuity thing, which is a really great scene. Then you got whole Bond sort of going, you know, playing with a helicopter effectively, which for me as a kid, my childhood is like, that is so cool. Yeah, you know, just yeah. flying around the helicopter. And to this day, I think one of the best, um, one of the best stunts actually they've ever done in the Bond series. I love Agreed. the whole, you know, going out, out of the plane. Yeah. And then obviously you-, you got the lovely, you know, little um, Roger Moore quip. All right, keep your hair on. Yeah, yeah sorry. all that stuff. <laughs> there, there. And, only Roger Moore can pull that off. Yeah, only he could, God bless him. Um, yeah. and it wasn't obviously, a crack, was it? It was more of a rub. Yeah. Yeah, or something like that. Just like, all right, keep your hair on. But yeah. really for me, apart from offering the um, delicatessen in stainless steel, which obviously <laughs> I know, you know yeah. that's more richer than Bitcoin. Yeah. I actually like, I'm actually glad they did this scene for this reason. If it wasn't for this scene, we would have had the end of Blofeld being like exploding in the oil ring and diamonds are forever. Yeah. And yes. to be honest, if you said to me, Henry, you've got to choose exploding an oil ring, you don't see him die, or actually throwing him down a chimney for something yeah. a bit more. Yeah. Out of those two, that, honestly, yeah. which one would you say would be better? Would down you the want chimney. To chimney, chimney, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But do you know? Down just chimney. remember, everybody, Blowfelt's coming to town. Yeah, and not only that, <laughs> the great thing is, if you, you can't believe that was a place where they've got all the uh, financial centre now. That was Canary Wharf before they mm. actually uh, uh, demolished all of that and basically built on that. So that was a great place to sort of. Uh, it wasn't the Isle of Dogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> amazing, amazing. My my dad, my uh, my old man will tell you all about that, and uh, he's watched several Bond. Well, is he coming on as well? Is he? Yeah. We've got him I'll lined tell you, up. We I tell you what, he, he would be. It would be fascinating to listen to Dad because the amount of scenes he's watched of Bond being filmed down the Thames, etc., yeah. over the years of being in London, it's, it's it's brilliant. You just you know sit there sit there watching these things being filmed. It's, it's fantastic. Well, now you remind me, uh, reminded me of something. I wanted to announce something, and uh, I think uh, Paul did so I could. I'm pulling oh. out. Of, I'm pulling out of the race of being the next Bond, mate. They're not paying me enough, and I'll be too old as well. This is mate. The way, like, great, great. I've lost my bet. <laughs> quid down the drain. Thank Sorry, you mate. so much. I, was, I thought it was a surefire bet. Well, basically, mate, it was like they came up to me and asked me, mate. But it's just I don't want to wear a wig like Conry, mate. Plus, I don't want to be Bond when I'm fifty-five as well. You know what I mean? Or, or just yeah. because you're Asian and they've got to please the crowds. No, it wasn't that. It's just that they said they wanted me to play at a part because I'm, I'm a big fan. I said, nah. I said, uh, give, know, it to J- give it to James Norton yeah. or someone. Well, to be honest, I'm actually a fan of the idea of James Norton as Bond, but that's just, you know, that's a different subject down the line. But yeah, like yeah. you said, I think you brought up really great two points about, you know, Topol being in um, as Columbo here, which I think was really, really interesting. Um, the actual story behind it is literally, obviously, Dana, Bro- Dana Broccoli, Albert's, um, you know, Cubby Broccoli's um, wife, literally, yeah. I think the only person listening said, literally, they're at a party, goes, Topol, Cubby, Topol for Columbo. 
So I'm just <laughs> wondering, literally, it was thanks to Dana Broccoli that we got Sean Connery as Bond. We've got, you know, now Topple in as Columbo, thanks to Dana. Um, quite frankly, let her be the casting director from time to time. It should have been, really, at times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. And as you say, Sean Connery, uh, not Sean Connery, Roger Moore was thinking of leaving at this point. I think I can sort of understand after Moonraker. Well, I'm on. I'm going to say something. It might be a bit con thing. I'm actually really glad he at least did this film. He should have left after this film, in my opinion, because for me, this is Roger Moore's best performance as James Bond. Because this is the one when you strip it back, less quips. He really is playing the character, and I think Roger Moore is actually quite versatile. Actually, I know it's, it sounds like well, what, but if you look at Live and Let Die, Man the Golden Gun, Spy, Love and Moonraker, he does play Bond differently in every single movie in some way, and this one he's playing the darker version of bond a bit here in some form capacity and i think this was his best performance as bond he and i say i would have loved seeing timothy dalton in this film he would have been great don't get me wrong um it's real one of the biggest annoying things in my whole life i wish that we had more timothy dalton as james bond that will always be like one of those oh why why <laughs> um but i just wish we could have had it but um i'm really glad he say he did it well, you, you well see, I'm going to say see anyway. that um, you, you see that in Roger Moore in this as he kicks yeah. the car over yeah. the cliff. Yeah. You see he's that, and you see that that is he's not 007. He's not James Bond. He's a husband. You know, mm. he's a he's a morning husband kicking that car over there, and he's and, and it's done in a way that I think any of us would have done in that situation. Yeah, oh, apparently yeah. He didn't want to do that. And if you watch the no, extra, he didn't want yeah, to do the kick. Yeah, and uh, I think it was so glad that John then convinced him to do it because. I think it's very nice because even though you've got, you know, the quippy, you know, like, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute, the, um, you know, the chase sequence in Greece, you know, when he's in like the, you know, the little opal car, you love driving yeah. in country, but just showing that actually there is that sort of ruthless killer behind that, even yes. like, you know, this situation, it just perfectly balances it out, I think. And it just really works. Um, I don't know. It was just for me, for me, this is like, you know, if someone said to me, Henry, pick Roger Moore's best performance as Bond without even thinking before you finish sentence, I would have gone for your eyes only. Mm. I, I agree with you because he uh, basically um, stripped back all the comedy and stuff like that in this mm. movie, and it was more of the pure Ian Fleming Bond. Yeah, I tell you one thing: you, you didn't do in your facts, for me. This is, mm. I think, it's either his first or like his second. This is like, although well, like the first big screen appearance of actor Charles Dance. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. oh you yeah. ruined it for me. That was in mine. Well, I'm never going to come back to the show. It's been very nice meeting you, but I've been kicked off. Like, goodbye, everybody. But the other fact is, about four or five yeah. years later, you played Ian Fleming as well in a, a TV yeah, movie that. called Goldeneye. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Nine, eight, nine, really nine, yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed that film. Yeah, same here. Go on then, Justin. What have you got? Your observations and uh, continuity errors. Anything? Yeah, quite a lot. Good. Just, just as well. Is it, yeah. If you didn't, I was going to delete this fucking YouTube channel. Come on then, let's go I was, for it. Gonna, <laughs> I, I was going to shorten it. I was going to shorten it down though a little bit and try not to waffle too much. Please. Do. I don't know, uh, Henry. Excellent, because Moonraker was about five hours long, and I had to <laughs> do a lot of editing with that. <laughs> Because that's in space. No, they hadn't, you know, how are you going to do space properly? They had to build models, shoot the shotguns and all sorts to get the effects. Okay, yeah, so we've done the Moonraker review. So, Let's move on. So this <laughs> is more, this, if you not shut the fuck up, I'll talk. <laughs> I will try and shorten this down. So I want to support Henry's thing, the helicopter, the helicopter scene at the beginning. 
<laughs> removing felt. The helicopter scene at the, at the beginning was absolutely just a superb stunt scene. Um, and it was sort of being dubbed as on, online. I've found a few things online with this stuff. And do you know what? There was one guy that actually commented and said that that stunt hasn't actually been able to be redone uh, a bit like the plane flying into the Pentagon. You know, none of the best pilots in the world have actually ever been able to do that flight path. You know, it's it's an absolutely superb action sequence and a stunt pilot um, for the film, uh, etc. But of course, the Bloomfelt thing, just quickly on that, uh, was the fact that he'd already died, uh, as you said, Henry. Uh, and of course, then he reappears mm. later on down the line, Inspector, and I, I think a few others before that. And it's like, this guy just doesn't seem to want to fucking die, does he? You know, <laughs> and, and he chucked him down a hundred, hundred fucking foot chimney. So you'd think it'd be smoke. You can't really... <laughs> <laughs> you can't count, you can't count the Christoph Waltz Blofeld in this. That's a separate continuity or blah blah blah. You know, you, you can't count that. No, this is like the definitive this is the definitive end of Blofeld. How do you know, born, birth ri- come out of his mother, died falling down a <laughs> chimney. But it was it was the most it was the politest death in the world, wasn't it? Mr. Bones. <laughs> Uh, there's lots of things that probably the best continuity, and you're probably going to want to look at this, is the the car chase uh, with the Peugeots and the Citroen two seater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the French clearly got a bit of a contract on this one, um, etc. But as the you've got a you've got a part where one of the Citroens rolls down the hill, and you can see a cameraman uh, literally in front, and then as it rolls down the hill, you can see another one shooting upwards, uh, and the guy on the two CV. Uh, as the two CV rolls down one of the hills, the cameraman literally has to drop his camera and and, and jump backwards. You can see it uh, actually in the foot. And you think I had to rewind yeah. that a number of times. He shits himself. It's like fuck, you know. He's in... <laughs> <laughs> and he jumped and he jumps yeah. back. And you think, how do these people not not see that when they're when they're doing these films? I I, I will not ever know. The, the fact is that 2CV would never have taken the very first tiny bit of punishment, mm. never alone rolling down cliffs and mm. all the rest of it. I mean, you see the wheel fold uh, on, I think, the second or the third mm. roll that it came yeah. down. So, you know, there were the registration changed uh, at one point. <laughs> what <bollocks. laughs> yeah, no, I'm serious. The registration <clears throat> changed. You, you've got, you know, there was a, you know, you get the GB stickers on the back of cars in this yeah, country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, an S appears, or SE or SI, I think, appears. What, Slovakia, or something. Yeah. Slovenia. <laughs> you know, the, the bullet holes change location. Um, you know, the Don't... headlights are smashed, then they come back again. Uh, <laughs> grill, the grill Don't disappears t- and comes back again. It's, you just, you cannot watch it too closely like that, because literally, you're, you're just, you're just pausing it. And when you're doing chases like that, you know, it's really hard. By noticing these things, you've spoiled it for me yeah. and Henry, mate. Being big born. Oh, I know, I know this thing. Yeah. I already knew yeah. these. I already knew about the other chase ones. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just a good bit of fun. The thing is, if you can yeah. train yourself, just as you say, just step back from this and just enjoy it and just not notice yeah. them, which takes effort, <clears throat> takes practice. But like the only thing I can say, I notice every time that it happens is, I mean, Man the Gone Gun when they're doing the fight sequence. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can see in the mirror the camera people and the stage yes. behind. Yeah, in the mirror. That's the only yeah. thing I can't see. I can never not see. You but, can't unsee certain things. I mean, I don't know if you've watched the the, the Dawn of the Dead one we did, Henry, but the yeah. same thing with cameraman behind the jeep. You know, mm. it's uh, you can't unsee. So if it's a sort of a head, you know, sort of bobbing or a little bit mm. of, a, of a, a tiny reflection, yeah. you can kind of get by it. But you know, some of these big ones, you you, you cannot unsee them. Have you noticed the um, continuity ever with Melina Havelock? 
Which one? <laughs> no matter how many times she fires her crossbow, she's always fully loaded. Well, yes, I've not. Yeah, <laughs> and also you're absolutely right on that. But there's also a moment where she fires, but actually the clip beforehand there was no arrow in it. The other one I like, I think it's, um, I think it's when they, you know, they're in that in their Greece, they're having that lovely day together, and it's a lovely little montage. Obviously, she's got a oh, nice yeah, um, yeah, yeah. sort of watch, yeah. and it literally yeah. switches from one hand to the other in different bits. <laughs> Right. Yeah, there were, there was a few scenes where the watches with the parrot. You know, he puts oh, it yeah. in the parrot tray with it clipped together. When it goes in the water, it's it's unclipped, mm. and you can actually see the wire because obviously it's a quite an expensive watch. It's like yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna <laughs> chuck a you know I think it was a Seiko again actually, but you're not yeah. just gonna yeah. you're not gonna throw it over the, the the boat. But that was one of Bond's you know sort of his more paternal elements because mm. you know there was a lot of controversy whether he should have sort of been romantically involved with Havelock. Um, I'm glad you, you know, said that. Yeah, you know, and the the one because Havelock actually the actress I forget his name she had applied for the uh, Holly Goodhead in the previous mm. film, but she didn't get the part, and and a lot of people sort of said, well, actually, it's good that she didn't because she played a good part in that, and actually she was better suited for this mm. one. Um, oh yeah, totally. Um, I'll tell you one thing based on that you say. Um, I'm sure it's a conscious decision, but if you look at this film, obviously, as you say, they do play a bit with Moore's age, you know, like when, you know, when, you know, yeah. um, Holly, yeah, Holly Johnson, like BB wants to have, when he literally yeah. goes, I'll buy you an ice cream and all that stuff, yeah. which I think is, by the way, full credit to them. So I think when Oxby came around and it helped Oxby so much, they aged everyone up. So it didn't yeah. seem so much of an issue, which we were talking, I think we, were, we were talking about this before you literally joined. Mm. And, and we'd said because because yeah. Roger Moore was in his fifties, he'd said that he did not want to, you know, yeah. sort of um, sexualize or, or get involved with BB mm. uh, because of her age. So they put this sort of comedic element, as you say, with with, with look, yeah. get your clothes on. I buy a fucking ice cream, love. And but, I think it works. Um, it did yeah. work, and it, it absolutely worked. It, did. it, it yeah. gave it gave him a more of a paternal view as a paternal. Not only that, but it gave him a moral. Uh, Bonds it, as well. That's it like, was a more okay. high ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like the 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 sexual like romance between Bond and Melina was earned at that point. Um, it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it worked there. I think you know it worked there really well. There is actually um, there is deleted scene actually. There is. Uh, there yeah. is um, where Bond meets up with Melina again after going with um, the fake Countess, where they actually says, "You know, I saw you go off with that woman." He just simply goes. My sex life is none of your business. Which I think, you know, again, I can understand why they deleted it because it's not really needed in the context of the story. But again, I think, again, it did add that little bit of character stuff between the two, which was quite nice. Um, and that bit of, um, I wouldn't say jealousy is the right word, but um, sort of mm. like, um, I suppose in her mind, it is just those two sort of a bit. It's it's not quite jealousy, but it is something else. Maybe just like, how a dare you consider... Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like in Die Another Day because, you know, Brosnan is obviously nearing his 50s in Die Another Day. Yeah. yeah you know, and they got, they cast like Rosamund Pike, great actress for the record. Yeah. I think she really yeah. is. And um, Holly Halliburton is so much younger than him. It just doesn't, mm. well, it sort of works okay because I think Brosnan has that charisma and he, he didn't look grey or anything really at that point. He could pull off. But at the same time, you think, I mean, if, you know, if, you guys know what I mean, really. It's just, you know, they played it yeah. again really well. Maybe someone can clear something up for me. Is Bond supposed to, throughout all of these movies and all the different actors that play him, is Bond mm. supposed to be remaining within that sort of mid-30s age bracket? 30s to 50s, yeah. Bond, um, Bond of the Books is um, basically aged or 30 38, yeah, 38 to 40, 
you know, late thirties, early forties sort of time period. That's when you know you're meant it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, obviously, Roger Moore. Um, in my and I've said this in my reviews, became the first expendable, beating Stallone at the age of fifty. Um, seven or eight for a view to a kill eventually down the line. That's um, right, yes. Yes, sorry, Stallone. Roger Moore was the first expendable. Deal with it. Um, but, um, you know, he is, meant to be, he is meant to be roughly around that age, really. He's like, you know, right. you're meant, they always say like your 30, late 30s, 40s is meant to be your pinnacle of manlyhood sort of thing. And it's just meant to represent that. Well, not only, that, but, uh, not only that, but you get retired after a certain age from the double O squad or double O section yeah. as well. So that was the reason why he was meant to be 35 to 45, maybe slightly mm. older. The scene where they go down, uh, he greets her and they're in the blue wetsuits and he goes down diving um, yeah. to like the, the Greek thing. Um, and she's there and she's surprised to see him. That is actually filmed on dry land. And yeah. the, the bubbles and everything is, is put in on special effects because they, yeah. I can't remember if both of them or one of them had a cold and they couldn't film it. So they just. It was, it was Carol Bouquet. She was very, um, <clears throat> I think, you know, she wasn't like, you know, anti scuba but she was very sort of slightly scared by it and, you know, the whole breathing apparatus. Mm. Um, she she didn't really quite like it. Yeah, something yeah. like that as well. She, she didn't like, and it was. It would have been very dangerous for her to go down and do multiple takes. I think. And actually, the the quality of it was much better than you would have done otherwise mm. filming underwater because actually it's quite yeah. a crisp. That is quite a crisp scene. Yeah, but it looked fake though, didn't it? It well, come it on. does. Well, I come back. To it was the a good effort, thing, but it looked fake. It does. You like it? It, it, it just looks wrong to us now. But it does to us now because we're watching it in such high quality. Yeah, but it would have done then and all, guaranteed. If you well, got this movie yeah. on VHS and watched it, it'd still look fake. You think there's something yeah, you're not quite did. right about that. You yeah, go out and the whole point was this attack. Okay. Mm. So the mine wasn't accidental. We saw that in the warehouse. We saw the mines in the warehouse. The mine had clearly been planted. It was clearly a setup. They knew St. George's was this attack thing, uh, etc. So the guy didn't pull the lever for self-destruct, so therefore somebody, i.e. Bond, it was in non-international, yeah, uh, it was in non-international Albania waters, so they couldn't do an official rescue, so that's why they hired the, the parents, or what's her face, his parents, to go down and get it, when, which is why they were killed, and because he knew the location, and blah, blah, blah. But the guy didn't pull the handle. So, at the end of the film, it suddenly occurred to me, watching this again, thinking... He's thrown it over the cliff and broken it. So why didn't he just pull the fucking lever and blow it up in the ship rather than have to take it away with him, etc., etc.? It might have uh, just been easier because they could have uh, clearly built another one. Or yeah, or but I'm imagining that thing cost a shit ton of money, and mm. at that point, you know, Bond thought, yeah, I can just grab it, take it back to the UK. He was at a stage at that point where. If he decided not to give it to General Gogol, you know, even yeah. though those two become great chums, you know, I'm sure they send each other Christmas cards still to this day. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, hey, General, <laughs> happy Christmas. Um, do you remember that time on the top of the mountain? You lucky bastard, you got a helicopter. I had to climb it literally arm by arm length, um, you know, all that stuff. But at that point, obviously, you know, if he doesn't give it over, he's going to get shot, you know, and all that stuff. So at the spur of the moment, you know, with Bond's intelligence, throw it over, destroy it. Well, okay, that's daytime. Because he knows it is daytime because they've obviously got the blueprint. Now, talking about General Gogol, right? Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Bluetooth hadn't been invented in the early 80s, had it? Uh, not quite yet, as far well, as I'm aware. No. Um, so but everything is better with Bluetooth. So, how does he. If you look at Gogol, right, in a lot of the, this film and the mm. previous films, the, he has this amazing office. He's got a desk in, in this mm. huge fucking camera. In the middle of a room. Yeah. In the middle of a room. Yeah. 
there's not one wire connected to any of his phones or his light. Where are the brass pockets? There is no. If we were, if we had a, a desk in the middle of a great big cavernous mm. airline, there'd be fucking extension leads. There'd be all sorts of wires. No, no, don't, no, no, no. The back of the desk. There was nothing at all. Justin, you're not getting the point there. It's the great Soviet engineering they're talking about. Is it? Is it? Yes. Right. <laughs> you know what? When uh, I see that, though, I don't think uh, any of that stuff. I just think how bloody cold it would be in that room. Yeah, yeah, well, that's too. Cold, that's yeah. And by the way, there's no such thing as great Soviet engineer. It's called great German engineer in Operation Paperclip. You know, Smith. Mm. I know, but we're talking about Bond movies. Can we just carry on with this? <laughs> Bloody hell. We won't go, to, we won't go to the Saturn V and, you know. The, I uh, think. Yeah. Um, I say, I, I know it's just, it's just one of those great things. Say, so you know, it, it's just a good laugh, really. And um, obviously, in a view to a kill, he's um, you know, he's gone to M's um office going, I wish to give the star, oh my god, you have wires, we do not, <laughs> we don't have them in the Russia. You, you'd say to him, wouldn't you, enter in the room, you'd say, oh, but mate, be careful, extensionally, don't trip over yeah. that, don't trip over that, whatever you do. In fact, I'm glad you just mentioned um, M. I think we ought to mm. just mention oh, yeah. who's yes. played by an actor who's Rest been in, in the films yeah. before and he's playing um, Tanner, who mm. is obviously quite close yes. friends with Bond. Um, and we see a lot of Tanner later on in, in the later editions of yes. Bond. Um, and uh, yeah, because of course they hadn't replaced him at this point because Bernard they were expecting, uh, they were expecting mm. Bernard Lee to play the part. Um, but obviously he had sadly passed away, Henry, you know, God rest his soul, etc. Um, they hadn't replaced him at this point. But what they did comment, a lot of online were saying, well, why is everyone always so angry with Bond? You know, Tanner, whether it's Q or Tanner in this case, etc. Everyone's got like this this hatred for him, you know. This is an arrogant twat. One, he's, he's a good-looking guy. Two, he's from a well educated he's well educated, he went to Eton. Three, he's spoiled, basically. Four, he makes a lot of money from gambling. Five, he always loses government property or destroys it. Six, oh yeah, he, he did, gets he more... did up a lotus in this as well, didn't he? Of course. Exactly. What yeah. a stupid what uh, do you know what? What a stupid fucking burger alarm that is. Well, well, I think it was. I think it was. Like, there was probably, there was a big joke in America that there were a lot of car burglaries going on. Like in I can't remember what city. So I know, like when it got released there, and it saw instead of it being stolen, it just got blown up. I think it got a great sort of laugh, really. And to be honest, it's a, right. it's a Q car. It's a Q car. You know, of course, it's going to have that as an anti-burglary. So I'd be. I'd actually go. Excuse me, Q. This is a car containing gadgets galore, rockets, and you're saying that it, if it got pinched by some yeah. person, well, sort of that they could have all this. And you seriously not as a defense system put it so it just explodes, destroying all evidence. I think we need really to look at your budget of Q branch and just look actually what money you're putting into. I mean, umbrellas that kill you or decapitate you with rain. Yes, that's all good. But let's look at actually protecting the burglary systems of here, people. Yeah, but you don't. But you'd only use that arm cast one if you're still at yeah. the bus stop, though, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. No. Oh yeah, someone's some got to be yeah. set at the right height. You know. Yeah. Telling you about all our ailments and yeah. all the rest of it, like you do but, at bus stops, you know, and you're like, oh, for goodness sake, you did like, oh, and that <laughs> mannequin, <laughs> that mannequin and that umbrella, yeah. that mannequin was completely unscathed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, but another thing point. is uh, that that was basically based on a true sort of uh, fact of the umbrella. Not it wasn't the spikes, mm. but actually a KGB or one of the Eastern European Secret Services had actually killed a um, one of the defectors just a few years before that with a pin uh, in a uh, umbrella. 
poison pin. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, um, again, the the Lotus blowing up was more, to, uh, you know, being, you know, trying to be like a bit serious here. I know, very dangerous. But the blowing up the car <laughs> was the metaphor to show that we're going away from the gadgets, from all the over the topness. We're trying to go into yes. dark, serious. You know, Bond relying on his wits, and it was like meant to be a metaphor, really, for that. We all we all know that. That's why they did it. You're right. Um, You're right, and that's why that made out. that two CV scene was so much better mm. because it was using his skill and his wit rather than pressing buttons with gadgets yeah. out the back of a car. Or yeah, speedboats and torpedoes and paragliders and all that nonsense, right. yeah. There are times in Bond movies that the gadget sort of car is brilliant and it works mm. and it's great that we have it. It depends on the scene. And they say there are times where Bond running his wit is what you want to see. And I think it just depends purely on where you are actually in the movie. Example being, if it's a pre-title sequence, just go gadget galore if you want because that's just sort of, you know, like a bit of fun. You yeah. know, it's, but in that moment in Four Eyes Only, it's we need to go show back Bond and his wits. And as to say, I would rather watch that chase sequence a million times than watch the gondola for Moonraker come out the water oh. and just go across Times Square. Um, yeah. You know, sorry, man, am I giving you bad memories again? Because oh. <laughs> yeah. that gondola thing, to be honest with you, you know, they might, the amount of times it, they failed, mm. it, it fell over, yeah. he fell in the water, got wet. Yeah, they might. Have, if I were producer or director, I thought, why the fuck are we trying? We're not. This is Forget not. Chitty, chitty, this is not chitty yeah. chitty bang bang. Do you know what I mean? Let, let's just. Yeah. Let's just get rid of it. What's the well, fucking point? Ian mean, Fleming did write <laughs> chitty chitty bang bang, so there is a connection. True. Uh, yeah. To say yeah. It. yeah. But, but another thing say, that I wanted to say, yeah. sorry, Andrew, is about the Lotus. They were trying to uh, make Lotus the equivalent to the Aston Martin, so the Aston Martin would be. Connery's Bond and the Lotus was meant to be uh, Moore's Bond, but he only appeared in two movies, and that was an amazing thing. The next few movies, you never see him drive a Lotus. So that's because he blew that's up. A, actually. No, well, but he was rebuilt. DB5 only appeared in two Connery movies as well. To be fair, yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Um, but no, I, I like. I actually, I, I know that they, they said that as well. And I actually think it would have been great. You know, in you know, maybe in another universe, every Bond had his own signature car, and in some ways they do. Um, obviously, Connery had DB5. Probably, I think I'll, I'll, Craig has the DB5 as well. You know, Laserby has his Aston Martin DB7. Um, obviously, Dalton has the V8. Yes, uh, Connor, right. uh, Brosnan, my favorite Bond, my childhood icon of all time, has the most. Dis- Sorry, I'm going to really swear here because it really upsets me to the point. The fucking dreadful, awful, godforsaken, dark ages of Bond cars, of those bloody disgusting BMWs, which I just want to destroy with a passion to a T, honestly. <laughs> and then finally, we get the beautiful Eston Martin in Die Another Day. And what they do, what do they do with this most beautiful car? Hey, they destroy I know it. what we should do with it. Let's they tell it invisible all. so no one can. Can see it. You, how, how dare you turn that beautiful car invisible? And the rant is over. Do you know about the goof that happened during the um, big climbing sequence, which ideally is, again, it's one of those moments in the Bond franchise, in my opinion. It's one of those iconic moments Bond climbing up to St. Cyril's. Yeah, even as the stuntman, you'd be shitting yourself, wouldn't you? You know, yeah. Well, you know the bit where he falls? You know that whole yeah. sort of falling bit? That's actually a outtake it was so, it was yep. the best shot they had of it but actually he bounced then the thing fell off and he started falling again actually luckily he had the right. parachute uh, but it was the best shot of it falling off so that's why they used it still but i just remember even as a kid sorry i i know you can't see but my nails are terrible you can probably see on the screen here i'm a very horrible bad nail biter but as a kid i was like watching that whole sequence of you know bond climbing up to st seals like <laughs> <laughs> no, no, fuck! Saying, yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> I really was. I mean, again, it's just one of those great moments in the whole franchise. And I think, you know, 100%. even as a non-Bond fan, I've got, you know, my fiance is not a Bond fan by any stretch of the imagination. You know, Bond is my thing. But even yeah. she'll admit that that was like, wow. Just, just it was, even that wow. was a great sequence. That, well, there's uh, a section that, of it. I think the I think the stuntman said that he nearly bottled it, and also you could yeah, see a view well, of a cemetery. He said, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he was even more worried about doing it. But there was the the break away from the waka waka wow wow seventies music <laughs> to more of the techno eighties. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, mate. Sorry. I'm so glad you brought this up here because I I am in the minority. I think within the Bond community here a lot, but. I think Bill Conti, the composer of this mm. film, obviously very famously also did Rocky and the Rocky. Karate Kid. He, he's for me, I think, does one of the best Bond scores in the whole franchise for Fear Eyes Only. Take out just, you know, the Shirley Eaton song, okay? But his rendition of the Bond theme and his other music in here, it really just, for me, it's like it's firing on all all cylinders here with the music. And I'm sure we'll talk about um, Don, you know, John, Glo- John Glove. John Glover is um, John Glover, later. Yeah, 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 John Glover's Crystal Glover. Slater. Yeah, F- um, spoiler, yeah. Spoilers, everybody. Terrible villain. Um, spoilers there, he, just in general. He didn't get yeah. a chance to play a villain yeah. in this, though, did he? Not really. No, no he was only in no. it, was he? He, he, got yeah, two, I know. He, got, he got two or three main mm. scenes, but he didn't get it. to really be villainous at all. He was just a bloke, yeah. wasn't he? Just a bloke with a bit of information. Yeah, but mm. at the end of the film, you kind of felt nervous for him because all he was doing was sitting there fucking waiting for this helicopter. And it's like, yeah, he wasn't going to do a typical Bond uh, villain, was he? Like, get a gun and really go for it and fight Bond. It was like, okay, I, I will lose it against him. Let let my henchmen come along. That was like a sort him out. of Lauren and Hardy. That was. yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> but as I've grown up, I've realised this is a real hardcore Cold War thriller story. Yeah. You know, this is more Ian Fleming-ish, like if you've read the novels. This is more like an Ian Fleming novel than other Bond films. Yes. And for that reason, I really love it. And just the inclusion of that scene from Live and Let Die just adds to the sort of, ooh, goody gooiness, really. Mm. The problem I have, Henry, I've, watched them, I've seen them so many times that mm. after today I did struggle actually watching it. I'll be, uh, mm. But I agree with you, it's pure Fleming. And there's only uh, probably few movies out of all the 25 that yeah. actually have stuck to Fleming's story and are actual gritty, dark, yeah. and no gadgets, basically. That whole sequence, you know, with the, um, you know, with the fake Countess, um, I can never remember her name. Um, to be honest, I- I'm going to say something again. Might be disagreeing with I actually think that whole part of the film slows the film down to a near halt. It's not needed. It's a bit dull. It's um, a bit boring. Yes, it does bring us to Columbo and all that stuff. But honestly, I just feel like, you know what? This could be a lot quicker. Um, it's just dragging the film that this app is. Like, it's like a lot of yeah. Bond films. Yeah. And we, we've said this in other reviews, is there mm. are sections and scenes of Bond that are, to be honest, quite pointless and unneeded. Mm. And you're right, Henry, that's yeah. one of them. There's only one benefit to that scene is that you do, in super slow motion, you can see a little bit of tit. And that's the only benefit of that. You know, but otherwise, <laughs> it's, a, it's a completely pointless scene. <laughs> Nothing's worse than Britt Eklund in 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 Man the Golden Gun. Now I'm a big no. Britt Eklund fan. I'm a big Britt Eklund fan, but her whole character is this: bonk, bond, bonk, bond, bonk, bond. <laughs> I must bonk, bond. I was given. I was born just so I could bonk, bond, bonk, bond. Well, that, that's that is what happened uh, on the first night with Peter Sellers. 
that's why you had 10 yeah. heart failures or attacks sorry i know i know that's going really off topic guys i apologize that's all right really no, it's a yep. shame uh, they never had Charles Dance as Bond because I think he looks like the actual twin of Ian Fleming mm. to me. I think he would have been great. Um, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to be honest, very cliche-ish, but I'm, I'd much rather him be a villain in the future, like a future Bond film. Um, I think when Charles Dance does get to play villains, um, I know he's probably now more famous for playing villains and everything. He just, his natural demeanor sort of really lends to it. I think he just had, he can, he really exuberates a lot of menace and fear. Um, if you yes. look at Game of Thrones, I'm, I'm sure we're all Game of Thrones fans here. You know, his, his Lannister, it was a great, I don't know. Oh, fair enough. Um, I've never watched but, it. That's what I'm saying. That's fair enough, mate. Don't worry. But his character in that is a real great villain. You know, a villain like a proper good style villain where you, you know, you root for him being so evil at the same time. You just love him, though you want him to be defeated eventually. Um, maybe a bit more grander than what he did get in the show, but I won't spoil it in case you ever decide to end up watching it. But so no, Charles Dance would be a great villain. So you're saying he's one of those characters where he plays a bad guy, you like him, and you feel sorry for him when he dies, but he, because. He's got yeah. something there, respect of the opposition, basically, of his yeah. skills or something. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we just um, briefly summarise our final thoughts on this movie? I've got some. Yeah, as I said earlier, I feel like I watched a different movie. Um, but then I'm not really a Bond fan. I don't mind it. It's all right. But... I just can't do that disbelief thing with this. It's just mm. so far-fetched in so many different aspects. And I just, I, I didn't like the leading Bond girl in this either. I just thought the, the, the dubbing was awful. She didn't really display much emotion in it. I wasn't invested in anything that she did. Um, I couldn't care less about her parents. I didn't even know what, who, they, who were her parents. Were they someone important? I don't know. They're just they wealthy, were not they? Just friends of the British government, really. Right, okay. All right. Yeah, the the scene on the beach with the Countess when she got run over, yeah, that could have easily just hit the cutting room floor. No one would have noticed. Who, who cares? Um, there's a lot of continuity in that as well, which I couldn't even bother to go on to. There was a lot of continuity <laughs> in that. Yeah. I don't know. I wish I could look at these films. I, I've got a theory, right? Now, somebody might be able to chime in on this. It's completely unresearched, but it's just my own thought. Um, we're changing directors here, and... Saltzman is no longer involved. He dropped out at the man with a gold gun, didn't he, due to financial reasons? Back. Yeah. 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 New, new, new song, new music writers, new directors, all sorts in this one. Yeah. Okay. So what my thoughts are is that when Saltzman was involved, he was the one that would just kind of yank chubby scrotum and just say, really inmate, you're going too far with this shit. It's ridiculous. That's my theory. And now he's gone. This chubby broccoli is just completely going nuts. It's not, not science fiction. It's not it's... science fiction. It's science. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing. Call um, him <laughs> I'd like to answer his theory. I think it's not a bad theory per se. I mean, there is an argument to say that maybe Broccoli was the guy who was trying to always go that sort of bigger and sort of, you know, more, um, more sort of, you know, spectacle. The yeah, thing yeah. is with Broccoli, I will say, is um, I, I think if you look at the films, uh, you know, late Connery, um, you know, and early Roger Moore, you know, when basically one of them would take more control of one film than another. If you look at Broccoli's film, like Dimes Are Forever 
and um, Man the Gone Gun. You can see they are trying to go maybe a bit theatrical or a bit somewhere in Saltzman's yeah. films, which was Live and Let Die and, um, yeah, and On a Magic yeah. Service. You can see that. The thing is with Broccoli, I will say this. I think they finally cracked what the Roger Moore James Bond was in The Spy Who Loved Me. You know, that yes. they, they got the tone, they got right, this is the Roger Moore James Bond. And then he went a bit of, and like everyone does, and Marvel does this, DC does this, um, you know, Monday, your second act, around then to go to Quantum of Solace, you go like, Oh, this is the direction to go. We're gonna go hardcore on it now. We're gonna go so over top with it. You know, in the case of Quantum, it was more darker, more gritty, more born, you know, Moonrake, it was more far over the top. I think yeah. Broccoli was very good in saying, you know what? I can honestly say, Hannah, we went too stupid. We went there, dial it back. Because it was, it would be Broccoli who said, we're going to go back to basics here and back to Fleming yes. in this one. So right. I think I think your theory is actually 100% right. But I will say, I think Broccoli, though, was intelligent enough to know, I need, I know where I've, I've fucked up here in a sense. I need to go back to something like here. But I, I can understand with you, mate, you know, just going back, if I may, to you, you're saying how you find this plot, and, you know, the whole story is a bit like, what the fuck is going on? I really get that, because when I was a kid, what? I was like, what the fuck? Okay, so that goes I find that with a lot of movies, movies, actually. Yeah. I do it find them very like all over the place, yeah. I, there, there was unless you like reading yeah. the context, reading additional yeah. context or something, or re-watching sections of it, I find I get easily confused in Bond movies. I yeah. think that's I mean, some of the distraction for me. Yeah. After watching um, uh, Calvin Dyson, his review on it, it kind of, because the way he does it is really good. And he sort of synopted the movie with all the baddies. And it was like, Do you know what? As quick as he goes through it, it made more sense. And he was like, yeah, yeah. okay, actually, that, that rather helps having somebody else's yeah. perspective on a review <laughs> on what the plot actually is. And it, and it helps. So isn't, isn't that like a failing of the film? Is that you've actually is, got yeah. watch the it's, film and then think, oh, well, fuck it, I've got to go watch a YouTube yeah, because, and explain it to me. Yeah, because because Bond is supposed to be straightforward. We've always said that it's a simple plot line. You know, women, cars, plot line, baddie, goody. It, it's straightforward. But this one wasn't quite that straight. It was more yeah. like a psychological thriller in in some places. Like, well, who's going to? I don't know, mate. I think there was nothing Bloody psychological hell, about the hockey rink scene. There was no. nothing psychological about that, mate. Well, no, I what, think a scene that wasn't needed. <laughs> exactly. Is very convoluted. There is a lot of stuff going on at times. Um, the whole simple premise is meant to be a bit like from Russia of Love, how there was the um, lecture decoder in this yes. film. It is the attack, and it's just making sure that we recover it. That is the simple basic story. That's right. And yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I got that as a kid. I'm not saying just because you know I got it as a kid, you know, you didn't say anything like that. It's just maybe I just watched it in the right time when I did. I got that. That was the mission. But mm. let's be honest, um, I was a fan. I really love Furrows Only. As a kid, I thought it was dull, except from those, you know, some good action sequences. As a grown-up, I think it's a fantastic Cold War thriller story, mm -hmm. personally. But I will admit, you know, there it does get at some point so convoluted that you do actually go, oh, yeah, there is the ATAC. Basically, in a nutshell, the beginning's about the ATAC, <laughs> the middle's not about the ATAC, and the last bit's about the ATAC. <laughs> I think what, what it is, Henry, I think it's just because there was such a big gap between that and From Russia with Love, because in between mm. they had all these gadgets where people started becoming used to it from Goldfinger. Should we I go on to... Um, sorry, Henry, go on. Should we do scores? Let's, let's go for scores, shall we? Or do you want yeah, to get something yeah. else in quickly? I just wanted to apologise. I wanted to apologise really to you, mate, because you know, you're giving us you know, your final thoughts. You get that great theory out, and I feel we've just sort of gone off tangent, and I feel like... <laughs> I feel we, like do that, we do that all the like, time. I feel like we've been doing a yeah. Shakespeare analytical annihilation of just like... So he said the word the at the beginning of his sentence. <laughs> <laughs> what does that yes. mean? 
<laughs> I do. I want to apologise, sort of a bit, mate. No, don't apologise, mate. No, because I mean, I've been sat back and let, letting you three carry it tonight because I couldn't stand this fucking movie. So you, you carry on if you've got something else to say. You can. <laughs> well, that's it, mate. Let's go. Um, it was it was um, blow fell to the beginning. It was Agatha all along. That's what I got to say. <laughs> let's yeah. do let's do final scores. Let's okay. do final yeah, let's do the scores. Uh, go on in. Who wants to go first? We we do I it out of ten, don't we? I think we let yeah. So Henry, we like to give uh, one, oh, out guests. Of ten, one, to one, one out of ten. One out of ten. One to ten. So we let our guests go first. Okay. Well, I mean, this film it does rank highly for me when it comes to a score out of ten. Uh, there are problems with the film. However, I've got to be honest. At the stage I am in my life, it really is one I like a lot. Either I'm in from, I'm going to give this film a solid eight out of ten. Fair play. That Go man on, wants to kill me now on that screen. Fucking hell. An eight. Fucking That's like that's Oscar nominee type stuff. Right? Okay. Oscar nominee yeah, for me is like... <laughs> okay. Yeah, fair enough. Go on, Ed. Who's next? I... No, I want to no. save mine till last. Go on. Fucking hell. Right. Definitely watch a different version of this. Jeez, mate. I mean, Henry, I don't know what to say. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to be very frank and honest. Always. As always. And it's gone back to basics. I like that about it. But some of the effects, some of the acting and stuff like that were pretty bad. And I'm all, like Henry, I'm like a big Bond fan, right? I know you've given it eight, but I have to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to give it a six. It's just... There was something about it that was just missing. It didn't feel like a Bond movie. Now, I know it's because of the big gap, as I said, from Russia with Love and this movie, where we didn't have all these special gadgets, etc., which people get excited about. When I was young, I did. And that's why I don't think this feels like a, a Bond movie. And that's the reason for my school. Six out of which ten. Is, I was going to say, you haven't actually said it yet. I did. I did say six out of ten. Yeah, he, he did. We just forgot. It just, did, it just blurred into the rest of it. <laughs> Yeah, fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, all of that can be edited out. Right. So, the uh... <laughs> is this where this other stage of the video where you actually, you just mute him and just going? <laughs> yeah, have <laughs> <laughs> oh, you seen that bit then? <laughs> right, go on, Justin. So, for me, I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Right, we're counting down <laughs> eight, seven, six. Yeah. This better be a zero now. I'm predicting. Uh, no film is a zero. You've got to give something at least for effort and turning up on time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I lost it. At, you know the the motorcycles down the snowy yeah. mountain. I lost it when the indicator lights went wee and then went. I just walked yeah. right. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. Um, so I give it a four. All right, four. Not yeah. bad. That's that's the worst score you've given any film ever. What I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I think I missed an episode. Why would you do Diamonds Are Forever? Well, that's a good point, actually. I have to look that up. Because Diamonds yeah, Are Forever, right. actually, when I think about Diamonds Are Forever, I, I actually like that film. Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. Right, that was a show to Bassey, wasn't it? Yep. What with it just jump is it just a jump to the left blow film? Six. 
So six. you gave it a six. Yeah. I gave it a six. Yeah. <laughs> and you liked it as well. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, Diamonds are. Yeah, yeah, that's only because the rest of them, since Roger Moore took over, have been absolute <laughs> dog shit. So Diamonds Are Forever looks like um, Grammys type. <laughs> Sorry, it's just my mum can't stand Roger Moore. She thinks, mm. I say, like yourself, worse James Bond because he's not taking it seriously enough. Um, you know, she admits, yes, he is a good actor and he does in film, certain films, does it, you know, well. And, you know, he's, but she's like, my mum is very much, she likes her Sean Connery, her Pierce Brosnan um, and stuff. You know, this is just a bit too jocular. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same the same opinion of that as yeah. well. Roger Moore, to me, a nice guy and everything, apparently. You know, absolutely brilliant yeah. off camera, that. But his portrayal of Bond just can't stand it. It's just so weak. It just doesn't work for you. It just doesn't work. Nah. Nah. It's fair enough. He, he, he's a tough crowd, Henry. He's a tough mm. crowd, is Paul. Cool. No, no. I bet when I'm watching your um, Living Daylights, you're going to be like completely like, this finally, Bond is back, I imagine. I, I Possibly. Just, I, I don't know because oh, Timothy Dalton. Don't, don't talk about Pierce Brosnan. That was a nineties Bond, mate. That was Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan is Bond, Jeez. man. He's like the reinvention of how it should be. But I don't know, Timothy no. Dalton. I, I think I think Timothy Dalton did a good job, but I'm not I'm not convinced. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, should we um should we wrap this one up? Yeah, yeah let's go. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we're gonna get the call from Margaret Thatcher saying, "Well done." Oh God, I was hoping you forgot <laughs> about that. I mean, <laughs> oh, just right, but, but, but the thing, but the thing about that is that only later on now, when you mm. sort of read like the the lady with the iron fist and the TV programs and all the rest of it, do you realise actually that's how Margaret Thatcher was? She mm -hmm. was very much a homemaker. She cooked. Um, you know, her husband was very much sort of in the background. She was very mm. homely. She wouldn't let anybody do anything for her. You know, yes, that sort of true. and the telephone in the cabinet was mm. true. She did have a, a telephone in yeah. her kitchen cabinet for such events because she spent so much time in the kitchen. I do uh, I, to wrap up. I do want to say, yeah. uh, on behalf of us all, Henry, I do want to say it's been a pleasure having you this evening. The pleasure's and, been uh, mine. I've loved every moment. Yeah, so have we. I think I speak yeah. for us all. It's been uh, it's been really really great fun having yeah. you and. Uh, and hopefully, perhaps you uh, will come back again. Maybe do another if you ever one. Want me, if you ever want me to, I'd be more than love to just have a great chat with you guys. It's been an honestly highlight of my day today. Really Excellent. has been. Not just saying that. Same. Really has been. Same here, Henry. Good. Excellent. Same here. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, you can find Henry on YouTube as the uh, the Bond geek he goes under. Um, subscribe to us first though, because he's got more mm. subscribers than us. And we need him more. But go and check him out. He does a lot of Bond stuff. Um, yeah, so if you love Bond, go and take a look at his, uh, his channel. Is there anything else you want to put out there, Henry? Anything you want to plug? Or um, Honestly, guys, I I'd like to plug you guys. Um, I have um, obviously you know, found you guys um, through the common stuff. I've watched you guys religiously. I really firmly recommend um, subscribing everybody to this channel. Like, comment, subscribe. Post it out here. These guys are absolutely brilliant. It's not just Bond they do here. We've got great films they review of everything. It's utterly fantastic. I've enjoyed watching every single one. Um, you guys keep me company throughout my work day, you know, and it's always great to watch. And I just, guys, just subscribe to this channel comment share it around they are this is just these guys are just brilliant thank you Henry. well that was thank money you. well spent wasn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. That was i'm sorry i'm, I'm gonna do great shit uh, the child mentioned check <laughs> <laughs> yeah as henry said you know like subscribe find us on social media and all that sort of stuff um yeah, I guess that's it. That's our uh, For Your Eyes Only review. So thanks for watching, and um, we'll see you again soon.
So it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And take care, everybody. Bye.